class. Um, if you have a child or a grandchild that's been through that class, you know what a wonderful job they do. I have a daughter in that class, and uh, she comes home excited nearly every time we come to church, uh, just over everything they're learning and all of the things they're doing. And so it is a wonderful work they have going in a ministry, uh, and they tell me they'll keep on doing it another 30 years, I think. So uh, I think I just voluntold them. I'm not sure. Well, Carl, you tried tonight. You tried, but you made a fatal mistake, and that is you, you did a survey question during the song portion, and um, we're not really big survey takers. So the trick is, I'll give you this for next time, you have to ask them a question that they must answer. And I did this last Sunday morning when I said, you know, how many of you in here love Jesus? Well, you know, even the people who don't like raising their hands sort of got to. So after that sermon, someone told me, I said, well, there was someone sitting behind us. Now, they didn't tell me their name, and I don't even know it. But uh, they were kind of loud talkers. And uh, the one, there were a couple, one of them started to raise their hand. The other was in deep meditative prayer, or maybe they were sleeping, I don't know. Um, so this, the partner kind of nudged him and said, if you love Jesus, you better wake up. <laughs> Very good. Whatever it takes to motivate the church, good. Uh, we are on Sunday nights in a, a, a series called Unswerving. And the whole, my thought process behind the series when we started was to tell the stories, the old, old stories of faith, what motivated people of faith to have the faith that they did, and how we can retell those stories today. Now, for tonight, I want to jump off series for just a little bit, and I, I, we'll get back to the Old Testament stories. Those are great. Uh, the, where this comes from tonight is just basically out of my study for this morning's lesson. And I put it all together, and we had all the things, all the elements of this morning's program. I thought, you know, we're just going to go too long. So let's just break this into two sermons. And really, I think the second point here preaches itself. And I hope it will motivate you and encourage you. Uh, our theme verse uh, in this series is, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And that's really what faith is all about. It's not us. It's not the power of us. It's not the might of our faith. It's the one in whom we have the faith and how powerful he is. When you understand that and grasp that concept, it will make you much bolder, much braver. The church uh, acts in a way, well, that they acted back in the book of Acts. If you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 4, this is going to be our key text tonight. Acts chapter 4, we're going to look starting in verse 23, and let me uh, start by giving you a little bit of context. Now, I will say that I love the book of Acts. I, I sort of have a love, not love-hate, but just, I don't know. There's parts of the book of Acts that excite me, and then there's parts of it that kind of go on and on, and there's dates and places and people and it gives me memories of a, of a history class. And that's what Luke's trying to do. But if you're not a huge history fan, sometimes you can get stuck in the weeds, so to speak. I don't want us to get stuck in the weeds. I, I do want to give you just a little bit of context. I, I think of Acts as kind of like a coal mine. 
you got to do a lot of digging. You're going to get dirty. It's going to be hard work. But if you, if you dig at it long enough, you find a ton of beautiful gems. And that's what we're going to look at. Now, when Luke gives his orderly account of church history, he starts by chapter 1, saying Jesus leaves, and then it's left to the apostles. And in Acts chapter 2, of course, most Church of Christers, especially Sunday night crowd, know that story pretty well. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes, and Peter preaches, not really Peter, it's the Holy Spirit using Peter to preach the first gospel sermon. And they respond, and boy, do they respond. This is every minister's dream to have 3,000 people respond to the invitation by saying, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart, verse 37. What shall we do? And of course, you know verse 38. He tells them to repent and be baptized. And uh, the church begins in Jerusalem up there on the day of Pentecost. So Acts... Beginning in Acts 2, going forward, is a story of the actions of the apostles and of the early church. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are kind of going out and they're preaching. And they heal this beggar who's been in the temple. And everybody knows he's, uh, not only knows he's a beggar, but he's uh, lame. He doesn't have the ability to walk. And so when when they heal him, it is a a, a well documented event. People get that, that, that guy, they healed that guy. There was no question that it was a, there was something real about Peter and John and about the message that they have to give. So Peter preaches the second time. Again, not Peter, but the Holy Spirit using Peter's mouth and tongue and lungs and voice box. So Acts chapter 4, because of this whole controversy surrounding the healing and all of the the, the uproar that stirs among the religious leaders. Uh, they're arrested by the temple guard. Now, the church continues to grow. Acts chapter 4, verse 4 says now they're up to about 5,000, and that's just counting the men. So, you know, preachers count ten to 15,000. And they give Peter an inquisition. And that inquisition leads to what happens when you inquisition any preacher, another sermon. And so he preaches a third sermon. Again, not Peter. The Holy Spirit using Peter. And they come upon this realization that there is nothing special about these guys. They are not extra smart. They haven't been well educated. You didn't see them debating. They, 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 they were just common, ordinary, uneducated men. But they had this in common, that they had been with Jesus. They realized they're ordinary guys who follow an extraordinary Savior. I love that. The rulers come to this conviction. You guys have to stop doing what you're doing. That's what they tell Peter and John. Peter and John are, shall we say, civilly disobedient. They say, judge for yourselves whether this is right or wrong. But we can't help speaking about what we've seen and about what we've heard. And they keep going. Well, the leaders figure out they're going to make heroes of these guys. And they release them. And they say, don't do any more preaching or teaching. If we try to put this in the modern, imagine, imagine like the Vicks come back for Mission Sunday. And they tell a story. And they say, okay, we were in foul... Or like, we, I can't even do the Scottish accent. Uh, <laughs> we went to Falkirk and we healed a guy. And it was really cool. And we got arrested. 
And they told us to stop, but we didn't stop. And we defied a court order, and we were arrested. And our response in the mot would be, what? <laughs> no, we're not going to quit. Uh, won't you get in trouble? Well, they'll just have to deal with the spirit. Hmm. I wonder if that really happened today. And, and the sponsoring Jerusalem church, that would be us. How would we respond? I don't know. But what I want to look at tonight is how the church then responded. As we talk about prayer, I think this is so, so pertinent to the discussion. So if you're in Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31, I've given you some context now. Read with me. I'm sorry. Listen as I read to you Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and peoples plot in vain? The kings of earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I love to think about what they did. So I want to talk and give you four points about what they did and then give us four points for what we can do. What I've always loved about those of the restoration movement is we have this very simple idea that we just want to take the book, to look at the New Testament teaching and do what they did. Be as they were. And I think we've probably gone off in the ditch one way or the other, but the simple premise, the simple beauty of looking at the Bible and looking plainly and clearly at what it teaches and looking at what those first Christians did, that's what I want to do tonight. First, they prayed. Uh, they addressed to the Lord God, the creator of all things. And they prayed using his own words, which I think is really, really cool. 
you probably have a, if you have a study Bible, you'll note that this part of this prayer is from Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. If you want to turn there, I'm going to read not all of Psalm 2, but verses 1 through 6. Here's what it says. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say. Let us throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I I love that because it tells us, one, of course, they knew the scriptures. Secondly, they prayed the scriptures. They were reminded that these ancient words are still ever true. A few of you do this so beautifully. Maybe you do this in your private and personal prayers. But you invoke scripture into your prayer. And that's such a beautiful thing because it reminds us that God's always been there. This had, Psalms had been written centuries before they had experienced this persecution. And yet those same words that David uttered and wrote down still applied to them today. So thank you to those of you who pray by Scripture. I would encourage you to pray through Scripture personally, privately, and publicly. Because it reminds us that the power is always in the Word and the author of that Word. Secondly, they prayed together. Verse 24 says, together in prayer to God. They were devoted to togetherness. They, it wasn't just like each individual Christian stopped, put him or herself in a silo, and decided to follow the example of Jesus. They followed the example of Jesus, indeed even in how he prayed. The scripture tells us that he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. But Jesus also prayed in public and among his apostles. And all of these Christians were looking at Jesus' example and following that. This included prayer. And praying not just as one, but as one. God, as we talked about this morning, intended the church to pray both ways. And not just privately and not just publicly, but to pray as one body, his beautiful blood-bought body. Number three, they prayed offensively. I'm going to struggle with that word a little bit, but allow me to explain. Um, Verse 29 In in their prayer, they say, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants. Love that. In the modern church, we work a lot by fear. We can't do this. I mean, there are laws about that. We, there's, you know, tax exemption. We got to think about that. We, we're a nonprofit. We got to. There's all of these things that enter into parts of church that were of no thought to the first church. They simply said, "Lord, 
consider the problem and enable your servants to rise to meet the problem. So let me ask you, do you pray on defense or on offense? A good example of a defensive prayer is help. Lord, help, 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 help. And there's nothing wrong with asking the Lord for help. We see many examples of that in Scripture. But that's a defensive prayer. I'm asking the Lord for protection. That's okay. Asking the Lord for safety. Fine. But there's a different type of prayer, which I, I call the offensive prayer. Which is what they pray in verse 29. We're not going to shrink back. We're not just going to put our ship into the, the harbor and, and, and throw down the anchor and, and hope that the storm passes. We're going to raise the sail. We're going to trust the captain. And we will sail on. I love that. I love that beautiful spirit. Now, you need both types of prayer in church. I'm not a sports guy, but... Watching the Olympics, I feel like I'm pretty much an expert now. And you have, in every athlete's mind, these two things working, going offensively and working defensively. Uh, one of the relays in one of the, the swimming events, one of the swimmers was not swimming as fast as he could. Tyler was watching, he said, he, he's not doing as well. I said, well, just wait. He's just, he's just keeping some in reserve. Okay, he was being defensive. And so that on that last leg, boom, I mean, he just was going like fire through the water. Because he had, he had been both defensive so that he could then be offensive. Churches have to be both and have both. Uh, a modern way to say it is don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big your God is. We are called to pray to first, to deal with problems and to see prayer as the first and indeed the best way of working toward problems. Not because of what prayer does, not because of how powerfully we pray, but the one to whom we pray. Secondly, we pray together, as James says uh, in chapter 5, that the prayer of a righteous man avails much. If that is true for one person then how powerful is it when two or three or four or five get together in a small group and pray? Or in a class group gets together to pray? Or when something goes on in the prayer chain and there's several hundred praying? Or when a whole church gathers together? It's just multiplied. It's exponential. And then they prayed offensively. They prayed not just in consideration of the threat, but in consideration of what they were going to do. Fourth. They, pray, uh, they lived boldly. Verse 29, they <clears throat> consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. We live in a time where it's going to take increasingly bold speakers. Now, I, before you go off ranting on Facebook, let me give you a rant about ranting on Facebook. The number of people converted by that rant is about this many. What does the scripture say? Speak the truth. Speak the truth. 
in love. In love. We need prayer not just to consider our threats and to consider the burdens we have as a church, but then to meet that threat, those problems, with boldness and strength and offense. And then, in response to that prayer, we need to speak with great boldness and love. May we give great consideration to our words and how we say them and the motivation behind them. I cannot wait for the election season to be over because everyone has a platform. And the church is called to be bold. Bold doesn't mean engaging and and ranting back and forth along with everyone else in the world and everyone else's political opinion. Boldness, I mean, think about it. You open up a document. You you type something out. You want people to take notice. And so you select the capital B up there and you highlight what you want to bold. And, And it makes it darker. It makes it more contrast from all the other characters. It pops out on the page. In such a way, we should live. May what you post, may how you live, be bold. Bold in love and bold in truth. We need to speak his word powerfully. And I love that God answers this word so quickly. In Acts chapter 4, they prayed this in verse 29. If you just go forward four verses... From Acts chapter 4, 29, where it says, Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Go down to verse 33. Luke writes this. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them. They didn't just pray it. They lived in accordance with the prayer. So then, once they have prayed this prayer, let us consider how we might imitate their faith. Number one, by praying first. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Pray first. Pray as soon as you get up. Pray pray as soon as you start to worry. Pray instead of gossiping. Pray as soon as you get the news. Pray as soon as you hear the word. Pray as soon as you have the thought about the person. Pray. Pray with great boldness. Ask, seek, and knock. The verse that was read this morning. The the church is called to pray. James 5, 14 through 16. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. Now he's talking, as as near as my study can tell, about physical sickness. And this is uh, something our elders do. But I think he goes on here to say, to speak about the spiritual sickness, the spiritual maladies that sometimes beset people. He says, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The power to pray not only affects the physical, but it also affects the spiritual. It's difficult at times, but the response from us must be as it was from them, to pray first. Secondly, to pray together. If you haven't joined the prayer chain, you can do that. There's a little email address that you can send it to. It'll put you right on the list. And it's a wonderful ministry. Uh, if you aren't on your class's email list, you should. You should know what's going on with your, with your uh, class because there are things that your class can do that the entire church can't do. And, and many of your classes are doing wonderful work. If you haven't joined a small group, I would encourage you. Sign-ups will start soon. Because they do great work together. Uh, They pray. Pray not just as a church, but as a family. And pray not just for people, but with people. Um, One of my beloved shepherds, Justin Abraham, just does this so well. And he's done it with you too. And he'll ask you, not how are you, not how are things going, but what can I pray for you today? And if you tell him, if you give him a specific, he'll stop right there and pray with you. And that's what I see in the first church. A group that prayed together. Because they believed not in themselves, but in the one to whom they prayed. That's what a shepherd does. That's the heart of a shepherd. Because he loves his sheep. Oh, I know, officially, he's not got the title and he doesn't go to the meetings, but he has a shepherd's heart. So pray together. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence we have. This is the confidence we have. In approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now, I've read that verse a thousand times. And for for whatever reason, just on this lesson, what the word that popped out to me was the word we. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know... That he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. The early church got this. May we get it as well. Third, pray boldly. 
It's good to ask for help, and it's good to ask for protection and safety. If you had to send a freshman off to college this week, or you, you will in the next week or two, that's fine. But pray also for boldness in the heart of your freshman. Don't just pray defensively, pray boldly, offensively. Don't back away, but lean into the problem with prayer. Hebrews 4.16 reminds us of this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And finally, pray first, pray together, pray boldly, and then live in accordance with your prayer. You and I, and Dylan, as he began his walk this morning, have the same Holy Spirit living within us that they did. There should be no less boldness among the lives of God's people in today's world than it was back then. We are to be the salt and the light. You say, but I'm not strong. I don't have knowledge. Good. May His Spirit embolden not just your prayer life, but your life. Pray by the Spirit and act like you pray. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee though no one pursues, but the righteous, the righteous are as bold as a lion. It's a beautiful picture of the early church. And I believe it's the church that Northside aspires to be and continues to work toward. I want to encourage you tonight not just to pray as they prayed, but to live as they prayed. I hope this was helpful to you. Next week, we're going to look at the meek. Tyler thought that was hilarious, that I would say next week we're looking at the meek. If you have a spiritual need, I could say... To become a Christian, and that is a great spiritual need. But if you, as we have been talking about today, need a shepherd to pray over you and for you, I want to invite you so that you might know the blessing and the power of the church praying together. If you have a need, we want to pray with you and for you. If you'd like to begin your journey with Christ tonight, we'd hope you make a step forward. Whatever your need is, please come as together we sing.